The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Going to be looking at AL Central Top 10s, Top 10 Prospects by team in that division. Also grading out Lil Wayne, Wheezy F Baby on the 20 to 80 scouting scale uh, to conclude the show. But uh, James, want to dive right in because uh, the first team you profile here, the White Sox, uh, headed by a prospect that you're really kind of going on a limb on, really kind of putting your eggs in the basket here. You have him ninth on your prospect rankings. I checked MLB.com, 46 out there. 
I'd love to. I mean, you do a great job of it in your article. And uh, if you don't have a Rotowire subscription, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. No strings attached, no credit card required. But you really kind of lay out that you feel like Anderson's a guy that is a dynasty league building block and is kind of being overlooked as a guy like Nomar Mazzara was this time a year ago. But, yeah, but I'm sorry, I didn't really ask a question. Yeah. Either, but it's, well, um, well, the, I, I'll address it? why there's such a big gap between my rankings and like MLB.com. It's real life. Obviously. I I I like uh, a lot of what like Jim Callis does over there. Uh, I feel like I disagree with their rankings probably the most of like any other uh, set of rankings that that you see, and obviously. Our ranking, that's that's a big thing, and I still have people questioning that in, like, the comment section sometimes. Like, these are strictly for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So if, like, Anderson could be an extremely fringe defender at shortstop, but if I think he's going to stick at shortstop for the next five years or something like that, then I don't really care how bad he is mm-hmm. defensively. If he's, I don't really care if he's not going to win gold gloves. Uh, and he doesn't walk like that's the two big knocks on Anderson is that his glove is probably just like average at short mm-hmm. and he's not going to walk much. You know, he, he improved in that area last season, but even his improvements just got him up to a 4.4% walk rate last year. So, uh, it's kind of easy to see why, if you're just looking at this from a real life standpoint, that you wouldn't be as high on Anderson as, uh, some somebody like J.P. Crawford or Orlando Arcia, uh, it just not not the same breed of defender and you know, not the same kind of approach at the plate. But what Anderson does give you is really everything that fantasy owners care about, and that's batting average, stolen bases, tons of them. Uh, he's he's still probably going to hit atop that order in the not too distant future, even without that, that crazy high walk rate, just because he's going to hit for such a high average. I mean, I think you can reasonably expect 290, 300 from him. Wow. What kind of pop are we looking at? That's the big question. And, and it doesn't, you know, if, if he hits 15 homers a year, then he's, he could be a first round pick annually. And I think he'll get to, you know, maybe 10 homers a year, especially playing in the cell, and there's there's a chance. I mean, he's kind of a line drive swing right now, but you know, just as a an athletic six foot one guy who who's who's probably not done uh, developing, he he could get to twelve or fifteen homers, and at that point, you're looking at a guy that could challenge guys like Corey Seager, uh, guys like Addison Russell for the number two shortstop spot in, in fantasy because if he's stealing 45 bases in a season and hitting around 300 then that's gonna compare fairly favorably with a guy like Seeger who might hit 25 homers and hit around 300 you know mm. it's it's a different package of of production but it's still a very valuable package and I think yeah. uh just the fact that he's also really close to the big leagues the fact that he was drafted as a pretty raw you know prospect back in 2013 and i think he's advanced he's made improvements to the deficiencies people saw in his game so much quicker 
and and with so much more uh, success, success, success expected. So the fact that he's done that this quickly leads me to believe that he is someone who's going to be able to make all the necessary adjustments as he continues to climb the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably starts the year in AAA after they gave Jimmy Rollins that minor league deal and looks like he's probably going to make the, the roster out of camp. But it's not like Rollins was good really at all or last t- time he Tyler played. Saladino. T- Tyler Saladino, you know, probably a, the, their Yuck. best in-house defensive option there. But, you know, I think this is a team that wants to compete. That's a division where everyone should be trying to compete. And you could easily see a scenario where in June, t- Tim Anderson looks like the best option at shortstop for them. Yeah, I could easily see that because that Band-Aid's going to come off relatively mm. early on in the season. And with speed down league-wide, I mean, we've seen guys like Billy Hamilton – even Gerard Dyson before that injury getting, mm-hmm. you know, love in terms of ADP and, and people I mean, investing guys, in them because that is yeah, obviously people, completely valuable. People take Ben Revere yeah. in, like, the top 150 with, with regularity. So, yeah, exactly. you know, I think a guy like Tim Anderson that gives you better numbers than Revere probably at shortstop, I mean, that's that's yeah. a big-time commodity. And the power, if it does develop, mm-hmm. as you uh, say, it, it could. I mean, we're looking at a – I mean, that would be the cherry on top, but we're looking at a possible – uh, really nice package there all around. Uh, you know, I think Anderson – so you, you, let's just put an, an ETA on it for this year. Uh, would you say mid-June uh, after the All-Star break? I'll say early June. <laughs> okay. Because I, like I just think their in-house, in-house options are that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it, think that he – the the fact that he did what he did at Double A, where there wasn't a learning curve at all for him at Double A, you you th- you'd usually expect a guy like Anderson to initially struggle right away at Double A, mm. and that didn't happen. So I don't really see any reason to expect him to struggle right away at Triple A either. So you know, I, I assume he'll be doing his or holding up his end of the bargain at Triple A. So I, I think early June. Yeah, and you mentioned the the walk rate being low, but if he's able to hit enough to offset it like Ben Revere does, uh, yeah, I mean, or if Melky Cabrera gets off to a rough start, maybe they slide Anderson to the top of the oh. order, eating down to second. Also, you know, hopefully this, you know, another reason that, that makes your Rotowire subscription worthwhile, I, he, Anderson's not going to get popped in a lot of leagues. Yeah. He, even, you know, AL-only leagues, he might not be taken – really deep mixed leagues he might not be taken and a lot of that is because people are going to look at you know maybe mlb.com's list and see a guy ranked in the 40s who mm-hmm. isn't going to be that impact guy uh that that might be able to help him out this year i think that that's an advantage that you could have going into drafts knowing that this is a guy that you can probably wait on until you're until your final final pick yeah or if you're exploring the trade market somebody you can get uh at a value before draft season really kicks into full gear. Let's jump to Carson Fulmer. White Sox have been aggressive in promoting young pitching, but it sounds like you know they could slow slow down with Fulmer, maybe look more towards 2017. Uh, at least that's what they're kind of suggesting. But are you buying that? Or do you think maybe he could be a bullpen option later in the year? I'm not ruling out the fact that he could be a bullpen option long term. <laughs> like I think there's a lot of effort in that delivery. Uh, the size is always going to be something people might point to and say that maybe he, he belongs in the pen. I, I think it'd be wise of Chicago to not bring him up this year. I think that he could use a full year in the, the minor leagues. Hopefully, 
you, I don't think you want a guy like that to feel like he's being rushed. You, you want him to just get really comfortable at each level that he goes to. And then he could kind of be, you know, when you're breaking camp in 2017, a guy that you keep an eye on for an early season promotion. Yeah, I'm with you. And you mentioned Spencer Adams could maybe – you could maybe flip-flop those two in the rankings, and you may a- see that some places. Adams is a much better bet, I think, to stay in the rotation. And if you were just asking me just personally, like would, would you rather have Adams or Fulmer, I might take Adams, but I think Fulmer you're going to be able to get a lot more for in a trade in a, in a, a dynasty point. league. And I, that's always – you always got to factor that in uh, when you're ranking prospects like – Maybe there's a guy that I think is just this awesome, you know, stud that that I think is is going to be something in a year or two. But if nobody else has heard of him, or if nobody else uh, views him as like a, a sure thing or a high upside player, then he's valuable to me if he ends up working out. But he's not a guy that I can ever flip if I'm contending and want to acquire pieces. Yeah, and you say you know after that top three, no sure bets in this system to to be major league regulars. Adam Angle's a guy at four. We saw him in the Fall League. I think you drafted him in that Paul Stars, Paul Spores, Paul Stars challenge. Uh, 24 years old, though, at double A. Is it more floor than ceiling with a kid like this? Uh, I just don't. I mean, I think that there's like a 50-50 chance he's a fourth outfielder. And if he's a – if he's a <laughs> – if he's a – if he's a starter, then – that's a ton of speed and then once again you get into how scarce speed is these mm-hmm. days and he becomes pretty valuable but you know 24 year old heading to double a uh just yeah, not, not just not not what you're looking for not a high enough honestly not a high enough floor that i would i'd invest in him in 200 prospect leagues the indians will move to them uh bobby bradley atop their prospect rankings first baseman 19 year old Set for high A to begin this year. Then Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, Justice Sheffield, Brady Aiken rounding out the top five. Most upside, Brady Aiken. Of course, you know, he was the number one overall pick, then had Tommy John surgery uh, and re-entered the draft, still a first-rounder. But what is it here? I mean, proximity is going to be – you're going to be waiting a while if you take him. But there's still a lot to dream on here. Top 25 prospect for Dynasty Leagues at the end of this season? Uh, I wouldn't bet on that, but I, I mentioned that it's a possibility. Like he, you know, he's got the name value. He's got two uh, two pitches that that grade out as seventy or better, and his his fastball and his curveball, and that's I mean that's kind of the starter kit for an ace. So yeah. if he comes back from you know his rehab, finishes the year out strong, puts up, you know top of the rotation type numbers you know maybe an era under under three two over a strikeout per inning a whip under one two then there's a chance that you you start he starts kind of going down that prospect path that lucas giolito sort of went down where everyone just kind of referred to him as the the pitching prospect in the minors with the best chance of being an ace Mm -hmm. and at that point you have an incredibly valuable commodity on your hands even though he would still carry a ton of risk in my eyes if if he were able to do that this year i mentioned yeah he, he's probably got the most upside if everything clicks but really this is a C, uh, a system with a ton of upside at the top in in Bobby Bradley Bradley Zimmer Clint Frazier all could 
realistically have that distinction here because I think all those guys have the potential to be top 50 draft picks in fantasy someday if they reach their ceiling. But I think Aiken, with the potential to be maybe a top five pitcher in all of baseball, takes the honor. Yeah, it was cool getting to see Clint Frazier up close and personal personal at the ground level in the fall league. Tricep meat for days. I mean, this guy is also just forearm meat. He's, he's a short but stocky uh, redhead there. But Bradley Zimmer, I think, is a guy who's more relevant for, for 2016, especially with the – and you have him as your best bet for 2016, especially with the Indians outfield in shambles right now. I mean, we're looking at a possible opening day outfield of – Lonnie Chisenhall, Rajay Davis, and Colin Cowgill. Uh, my Jeez. lord! But so what? A, they're going to probably throw Zimmer back in the minors to start the year. How long? I mean, this is a team that I think is primed to compete and then wants to compete this year. How long can they keep Zimmer down? Uh, they're not the type of team that pushes guys. You know, the way that they handled Francisco Lindor last year is is a prime example of that. You know, he was down there longer than I think a lot of people thought he would be and it ended up working out so I mean their their process was proven to to be the correct one with Lindor I think they'll kind of do the same thing with Zimmer he'll they're not going to push him if he's not ready and even if he's ready he might stay down a, a few weeks longer than you might hope I think the he struggled initially at double at a uh, you know low BABIP was probably a little bit of that he could head to double A again. He could head to triple A possibly. But I think that this is a guy, he's their best bet for this season just because I don't like any of the other guys for this season mm-hmm. to maybe even get up in the first place. But I think I could I could see Zimmer struggling. Like I could see him being a guy that people just blow a ton of fab money on when he gets the call up. And I could see, I, I compared him to Gregory Polanco just in like kind of what you might see from him initially where you know there's some there's some stuff to like but it's not a game-changing production Mm -hmm. at first I think long term he could be a five category guy which is perfect for for an outfield 15 to 20 homers 20 to 30 steals 275 Yeah. yeah I mean that's that's a that's an outfield one, basically. You know, yeah. that's a guy that that could go in the top thirty or forty picks of a draft if everything works out. I, I'm the the steals. I think are a pretty safe bet early on in his career. Although, just given his size, I could see the the speed kind of ticking down eventually, and maybe the power ticking up eventually. So, you know, maybe five years down the road, the, he'll be more power than speed. But initially, it'll be the other way around. Uh, a guy that I, I know a lot of people out there really like. You'll you'll see him really high on some dynasty league lists. I think it's it's a pri- it's a profile I like quite a bit, but it, it's you know outside of my top twenty five. I think. Let's move on to the Tigers and man, having flashbacks to the Angels discussion a couple weeks ago. Uh, Tigers not quite as barren, but there's not a lot here to get excited about. Michael Fulmer tops their prospect rankings. Uh, most upside, though, Christian Stewart, uh, college bat, could potentially move quickly, but what are what are we looking at in terms of profile here with, with Christian Stewart? I compared him to Michael Conforto in, in terms of kind of what his best-case scenario could be, where you see, you know, defense is obviously not part of his game at all. He's, he's left field only, so you're not going to see – 
people pumping him at all on, on real life prospect lists, but uh, the bat is very impressive and it's, it's a potential, potentially high average 25, 30 Homer bet long-term. I could see him moving quickly as well. Uh, just like Conforto did last year. If he doesn't uh, meet much resistance in the minors, he could be in the upper minors by June or, or July. And then at that point he's just, you know, an injury or two away from being called up to the big leagues, especially on a team like the Tigers that are, their window of contention is like always just this minute because their owner, Mike Illich, you know, he might not be around to see Christian Stewart reach free agency. So I don't think they really care about burning any years of control there. So, you know, that's, that's a guy that I think is not going to go in the first 25 or 30 picks of dynasty league drafts this year among you know the in leagues you know classic dynasty leagues that don't allow in-season pickups i think he might fall outside that top 25 or so and at that point i think he's a a big time bargain let's talk about michael fulmer who i mentioned at the top there uh, when discussing detroit high a double a last year uh came over in the cespedes deal from the mets two two four era combined 108 whip uh, 125 strikeouts against 30 walks and 124.2 innings now he's getting by primarily fastball slider right now how important is it for him to develop that that third offering it's it's really important and I think that you could get carried away if you just look at his numbers because he was Mm -hmm. dominant in the minors last year but if you have uh good control a big fastball and a out pitch for a breaking ball that's really all you need to kind of make people look look silly in the the minor leagues but you know I think he'll be overrated in some circles because of his numbers uh there's a chance that he gets up in the in the summer sometime just because I'm looking at that rotation and I'm not all that impressed by by the names towards the back of it (laughs) That said, like if if you if you're not excited about a guy like Daniel Norris, then you shouldn't be, you know, crossing your fingers for Fulmer to come up because I think that they're not that far off, and I would I would per- personally take Daniel Norris over Fulmer. So mm-hmm. don't get too excited here. Being the best prospect in this Tiger system is not a badge of honor, as you kind of made clear at the top. It's it's not great, and it's not really designed to be great. I mean, they're in win now mode. They're not. They're always picking kind of down in the 20s in the draft. And uh, Derek Hill was kind of a big bust for them a couple of years ago just because he can't stay on the field. I like Bo Burrows, who they ended up with this year, but he's kind of a mid-rotation upside prep arm, so that's not all that exciting. So it's it's not it's not a great system. I think Winton Bernard's probably – or uh, Mike Gerber, I should say, is a guy that I would keep an eye on. But, you know, he's 23 and heading to high A, so – not a big time prospect even though his numbers are, are pretty impressive yeah i'm modeling myself after the tigers owner in, in my keeper leagues i want to win a title before i die you know yeah, i mean I, yeah. I don't know you could die at any time <laughs> i want to make a push right now and uh you know i do say in dynasty leagues keeper leagues it's best to get a plan but i, I want to compete if i can this year no matter what so i've been trading off some prospects in our staff keeper league one being raul mondesi who tops the royals uh, organizational ranks great, here. Great move, by you. yeah. I was going to say you, you kind of s- praise that move. Uh, just kind of saying you don't. You just kind of see Mondesi as as a guy at the shortstop position long term, not a 
real difference maker in fantasy. I mean, he's, he's obviously with the name value and, and he's got a lot of hype. He's still young, 20 years old, but is he ever going to be like a 15-15 type of player? Is that maybe the, the absolute ceiling? I could see 15-15 from him, but I think it would come with a you know an average around 255-260. Uh, I think it's more likely that you could see like a 10-homer, 20-steal year with a 250 average from him, which is That's solid. Useful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you could – that's like a bottom that's like a back back end starting shortstop in a 15 team league so i mean that's that's fine but he's not yeah neither of us are are advocating just dumping no 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 i think that so top 50 prospect he's a guy that like tim anderson gets knocked in in real life list mondesi gets propped up on real life list because of his defense so if you can uh shed him and grab you know, you might even be able to trade Rome Mondesi for a guy like Bobby Bradley, who, who I have top in the Indians list just because Bradley is a first baseman, so he's not going to get too much love on the, the real-life prospect list, whereas Mondesi is definitely going to be able to stick at shortstop, so he'll get praised. I think that that's, that's the way I'd try to go with Mondesi. If you can't get a, a top 70 or, or top 60 prospect back for him, then I would just hold him and, and realize that you have a guy that's probably going to be a starting shortstop for a while, but... Uh, not definitely not a superstar. Yeah, and it was also about team context with me. I have Corey Seager and also Franklin Barreto, who I know we both what, like. Yeah, what I, more than I think we're kind of on the same track right now where I basically decided there were four prospects that I didn't want to trade in Alex Reyes, Mazzara, Nick Williams, and Tim Anderson, and then I just tried to move all the rest of the guys yep. to try to make my team better for this year because I trust myself to be able to draft prospects in in the reserve draft exactly. that can that can kind of fill those those spots up yeah for me it was three it was urias barrios and and Barreto. the rest uh can kick rocks but let's <laughs> you got Z- kyle zimmer at two miguel amante three and zimmer is your best bet for for 2016 but i want to talk real quick about bubba starling because it kind of became a running joke in the office with a couple of years ago with one of our dynasty league owners trying to trying to trade him Trying to pawn him off, but really a bounce back year. Got to give him a lot of credit. He's 23 at double A, likely to start 2016, but uh, stock trending back up. Is he ultimately a fourth outfielder, though? I think so. I think the power is the one that kind of has me scratching my head. Like, I, he's never really shown the kind of power in games that I think everyone thought was possible when he was the number, was he number five overall pick that year? Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's not all that exciting of an offensive profile anymore. He's he's probably a a guy that can play all three outfield spots in a pinch, which makes him you know fourth outfield candidate. But this is this is a really bad system. Like I I knew it wasn't it wasn't like a top half system, but then when I I just started digging into it and like I don't really like anyone in this system. Like I just yeah, there's nobody. Usually you can find a guy in a system, even if it's down, that is a is a guy that you can say is like your guy in that system. Like I I, I kind of like this guy. I could see him breaking out this year. There's really nobody in this system other than maybe Kyle Zimmer if he can stay healthy that I am all that optimistic about. And they just have a ton of like arms at the bottom of this list that are 
you know, a dime a dozen, just low, mm -hmm. low miners arms that are super risky, not all that high ceiling. Uh, it's, it's a testament to how big of a disappointment he was last year that Hunter Dozier didn't even crack the list. Yeah. Um, it's just, just a really shaky system, but hey, they won a World Series last year. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I don't think their fans are just up in arms over the, the yeah, lack the of talent in that system, system. That's an easy trade-off for a World Series ring, uh, especially after that long drought. Uh, and they have a good young core at the major league level, too, so I think uh, even with the, the farm system pretty barren, they'll be in good shape for several years to come. Pardon me if I'm mistaken here, but you, you took a trip to AA Southwest Arkansas Northwest, Northwest Arkansas, yep. yeah. Um, last year, I remember you having some impressions of Jorge Bonifacio, but it seems – am I correct on that? You got to yeah, see him. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he hit a homer in one of the games I was at, and he had a really solid first half last year, really cratered in the second half, though. So okay, yeah. it – and it's really discouraging just because he has – I have to look it up, but, I mean, I think he's got like – maybe over 200 games logged at double A at this point. Yeah. So, like, you really don't want to see a guy fading in the second half when, when he's been at the level that long. Mm -hmm. But I still think there's a, sh a chance that he could be a platoon power bat. I mean, the, the power is still, you know, 55 or 60. And, you know, he gets fooled on good breaking balls. But, I mean, a lot of, a lot of big league hitters do too. So... I, I think that, you know, he's eighth on the a list of a team that I think has a really bad farm system, so it's not like I'm praising him, but he there's a chance that he could still make it in, in some role in the big leagues. Let's move on to the Twins, the final team in the AL Central. Again, check out James's Farm Futures piece, and go back, check out the whole series. It's been excellent. Uh, wraps up next week. Uh, and the corresponding team previews uh, with the divisions that have gone out throughout the spring. Definitely check out all that. But the Twins, I mean, with Buxton's going to officially graduate from prospect status soon. But as things stand right now, where does this system rank uh, among all 30 teams in the majors? I haven't put together a list. I think it's it's not a top five system for me anymore, but I think it's it would probably still sneak into the top 10, probably in that kind of maybe 8 to 12 range, just because when you have – when you have Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, and Max Kepler at the top, I mean that you could put that top three up against really anyone's, mm -hmm. and it, it would probably look pretty favorable. It's just the it's still a deep system. Like there's probably twenty guys in this system that have the potential to be regular contributors in the big leagues someday. It's just that they there isn't really much upside after the the top three guys in my mind. There's you know, maybe if you're a Young Ho Park guy, which I'm not, then you might you might be into his power. Uh, Nick Gordon's gonna steal a hand, a good good amount of bases, hit for a pretty high average. I think Lewis Thorpe, once he gets back from Tommy John, has has a pretty high ceiling. Adam Walker obviously has a high ceiling, but you know, there's like a two percent chance that he gets gets to be a big league regular. Uh, but you know, the top two percent, man. Oh, I mean, oh, I mean, on, that's not on. that's not like, unfair at all. I just. <laughs> I mean, it's wow, har you're harsh, but harsh, fair, you know, fair. I mean, hashtag indictment. No, I mean, it's look, it, the, <laughs> the guy, the guy has crazy power. He's built like Cam Newton and he <laughs> swings at everything and yeah. doesn't often make contact. So, uh, 
but Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, Max Kepler are kind of the, the jewels of this system. Let's start with Buxton. I mean, everybody wants to know. He's positioned, obviously, to be the center fielder, but I think people may be jumping to conclusions a little bit too soon. Really, they want him to hit, and then leaving open the possibility they could head to the minors to start the year. Could still come up and be in return value at his current ADP, but uh, well, if you had to bet right now, do you say he's not only in center field but atop that order on opening day? I would bet that he's there because I think that he will hit enough to where like his de- like he could be a top three defensive center fielder from the minute he debut or from the minute the season starts. So really, if you want to look at it from an angle of what gives our team the best chance to win, I don't really care what Buxton's hitting. Having him in center field gives your team the best chance to win. But if you're looking at it from a, like, what's the best way to properly develop our, our number one asset, then I could maybe see a case for sending him to AAA. Like, if you really think that he hasn't adjusted to the point where he's going to, you know, be able to hit, like, say, 250 this year in the big leagues, if you really think it's going to be a disaster again initially at the plate and it could ruin his confidence, then I could maybe see the case for sending him to AAA. But I think he'll hit enough in in spring for them to feel good enough about him given the defense that he starts the year in the big leagues. A lot of analysts that I've seen, not all fantasy prospect analysts, but a lot of uh, analysts have made that switch and moved Corey Seager top prospect rankings you're sticking with Buxton. What is it that gives him the edge over a guy like Seager, who, of course, has that shortstop eligibility? Uh, it's not a – it's a really tiny gap. You know, I, I would never even think about arguing with someone that wanted to put Seager number one. To me, I'm just so enamored with Buxton's long-term upside, and I think I'm higher than most on what his eventual power – an eventual hit tool will be so you know if you if you think that he maxes out as like a 15 homer guy then i think it's Corey seager at number one slam dunk like not mm-hmm. even up for debate but I, I think he could max out as a, a 25 homer guy and at that point you, you're gonna get you know 40 plus steals i think he could hit 300 310 some years and then you're looking at a like a top three player in fantasy. So I, I think it's it's about Buxton's upside. I You can't judge him based on his numbers last year because of the way that he was handled. You know, started – had one, one game at double-A prior to last season, starts the year at double-A as a 21-year-old, finishes the year in the big leagues. I don't know how you're going to go ahead and then look at his big league batting average and hold that too much against him you know i mean the guy cruised through the system last year was hurt a lot only had uh like 70 games in the minors before getting up and that was 70 his first 70 games basically at double a and triple a and then he gets up to the big leagues and he struggles like why why is anyone surprised by that that's a good point let's talk about kepler who could be a guy who could fill in in center if if, uh buxton doesn't win the job out of camp also could see time at all all three outfield positions. I know we've talked before. You think he's a good bet to see probably 400 plate appearances this year? It's it's probably not, not a, a bet, bet that I would maybe. tell someone else to make, but I, you think so? I'm kind of on record of saying I think that it could happen. I just 
I'm not sold on some of their other options. Like I'm not sold on Park. I'm probably the low man on Park. I think Eddie Rosario. You know, people forget this time last year there were a lot of people doubting whether Eddie Rosario would ever be a big league regular. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if he took a step back. You know, Buxton, I love the guy, but he's been hurt a lot. If he gets hurt again, Kepler could be the best option for them in center. Joe Maurer just hasn't been good. I mean, you could see a scenario where Max Kepler is a better option at first base some hmm. days. Hadn't thought about Miguel that. Miguel Sano, you know, playing the, playing the outfield, who knows how that's going to go. Who knows, maybe he gets hurt playing the outfield. It, there's just so many different scenarios where Kepler could theoretically be the the replacement option if somebody gets hurt or struggles that I think he's like one of the five or six best hitters big league ready hitters in that organization right now so like if if that's the case and he can play like four or five positions I think there's there's going to be a scenario where he gets a ton of playing time you were talking on the XM show last week and uh I saw a Keith Law uh, it was in a Q&A but he was Somebody asked him if he thought Kepler could be a 300, 370, 450 guy. He didn't write it off. He also said there might be more power mm-hmm. uh, there uh, than that, that line would suggest. Do you mm-hmm. agree? Could he be like a, a guy yeah. who pushes 500? No. I mean, slugging? he's – yeah, he's 6'4". You know, yeah, it, he's – A lot of he's torque. A, he's a big boy. He's really athletic. Uh, I could definitely see more homers coming for him. Much, much the way that I can see more power coming from from Byron Buxton too. I, I think you, you could look at those two guys. You know, Buxton could end up hitting you know number two for them long term, and Kepler could end up hitting third for them long term. I mean, that wouldn't really surprise me. Yeah, I got Kepler in our keeper league and as a free agent or and in Fab last year for seven bucks. So he's going to be seven B. Just too much upside for me to throw him back, even though probably overpaying for this year and maybe next as well. But And there's just, I mean, a lot of uncertainty, especially if, if you're looking to compete this year. The one, well, the one thing there, I don't want to try to talk you out of that, but maybe I will just, just quickly. Right. Like, would he really go for seven in the auction this year? With inflation, I think he's like a $5 guy anyway. Yeah. Maybe. In I mean, a seven, it's a 17-team league. If you get him at, not say, like a say would you rather have him at 8A or 7B? Yeah, probably 8A. I mean, it's. I just don't know who in that draft is going to push him any higher than 7 or 8. Like, I, I can yeah. honestly tell you right now, I'm not going to push him that high just because I have specific needs, and I already have Joey Gallo eating a, a – outfield spot for me and he might not be up till june or july so i can't really have two guys that are questionable in terms of playing time on the active roster so i man has needs man i've got my needs man <laughs> uh and yeah buying kepler at seven probably wouldn't be one of them even though i'm with you i think it's a it's a fair price i think that mm. just knowing our league he's not the type of prospect that people are going to go nuts for like people are going to go yeah. crazy for mancata they might even go crazy for a guy like AJ Reed or Blake Snell, but I don't really see them going going insane for plus, Max Kepler. Plus, I'd only have one year before a decision year as far as contract goes. I'd have to decide next off season right. if I want to keep him long term, and that's uh, not a big window to evaluate a guy like like Kepler, especially with all the other options they have there. Let's talk quickly about Barrios because he's getting a lot of love and uh, standard mixed league drafts as kind of a 
you know, once you, you know, later rounds, a guy you want to speculate on, grab Barrios. Uh, I think he'll be up probably, you know, maybe as soon as like mid-April, if not mm-hmm. out of camp. But are you still concerned long-term about, about the frame? No. No. I just – I don't know how you can really hold that against guys these days just given what we've seen – other pitchers of that ilk be able to do especially given his pitch mix and his control like he's i think he's incredibly low risk yeah i'm with you are you buying in on him as a 2016 mixed league option i forget where you have hell yeah i forget where you have one your 350 i love i love barrios this year i think the the book's out on him though i mean it the the time to maybe get barrios at a discount was if you're doing an NFBC back in January or maybe early February. I think everyone kind of knows about him at this point, and I think he still makes for a really solid pick because I think that there's just no way that they can justify giving someone like Tommy Malone or Ricky Nolasco the ball every fifth day if they're hoping to compete this year. And, you know, that there's everybody above – Malone that that fifth spot's going to be between Malone and Alasco and camp realistically and then everyone above them I also think has a potential to completely underwhelm and mm. require some sort of a either trip to triple a trip to the bullpen there's no there's no rocks in that rotation you know so I think there's a variety of ways that he could get in there by mid-April or early May well that'll do it for the prospect portion of this podcast we are going to grade out our latest rapper on the 20 to 80 scouting oh, scale. Wait, I did just want to say, yeah. uh, let's see. We had a question on Twitter about uh, Yandy Diaz in oh, the, yeah. the Indians organization. You know, I I like him um, as a hitter. This was, uh, yeah, this was, this was B-Klein, 66. Uh, always giving us good tweets on on Twitter, but I, I like Yandy Diaz as a as a hitter. I just don't see any power or speed really, and the fact that he's what like twenty four at Double A, just not all that exciting or profile. But we can we yeah, can no, I, I'm glad you threw that out there because I forgot. And friend of the program, so didn't want to leave him hanging. But the five tools we have established for grading hip hop artists: uh, lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. Going to be grading Lil Wayne. I mean. The the shine is worn off. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could. I'm trying to think of a comp. I can, I can tell you really quickly who the shine is not worn off, and that's New Day, who gave us the, the intro. Oh, intro nice! I forgot. To shout out New Day. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I love that intro song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no disrespect to the the standard Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Pod intro, but this one kind of also is in a different class. No disrespect to. You know, an, an intro that I think we mastered the the silent the the no intro yeah. approach. I think we had that, and not approach. even a cold opener. Yeah, anything. we had that approach mastered. I was a big <laughs> fan of it, um, but I think we we took it up a notch thanks to New Day. Yeah, thank you to New Day. They're definitely not losing any luster, uh, any shine. But Wayne, I mean, since the you know the rock album, the, the skateboarding stuff. I mean. I'm not the skateboarding stuff. Skateboarding stuff. I don't know. I don't hate skateboarding, but it's just he's just not. Well, he's not churning out a lot of new music, and what I've heard is not very good. But in his in his heyday, at his peak, Lil Wayne, at the time, was probably my favorite artist. Look, you know, I think this is a good uh, 
cautionary tale about using drugs and using um, lean. Lean. I, th- I think it, it's you know you can only you can only ride that hot for that long without mm-hmm. it really kind of taking a toll on your uh, cognitive and, and your your functionality. And you know when Wayne, like I'm with you, uh, really from you know starting kind of with the Carter, but then like from Carter two to Carter three to like the no ceilings mixtape, like Wayne was definitely on top of the game. So yeah, I'll like, even go back to like 400 degrees and the squat up mixtapes. I really liked a lot of those, but I mean the the, the peak is closed. I mean obviously again he's not churning out a lot of new music don't hear a ton from him but still has a soft spot in my heart mm-hmm. uh especially from the cash money days and and the from, block is hot from in yellow and yellow 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 yeah. i mean i, I i'm not convinced that the packers win that super bowl without without <laughs> green and yellow yeah without wayne's support i could totally see that let's start with lyricism because we're different big here you got a 70 i got a 50 witty witty a lot of times but and he, the wordplay was was solid, but I think the the bulk of the work lyricism wise, just not a ton there that's substantial. Yeah, and I think that that's fair. I'm kind of looking at like the lyricism on like my three favorite albums of his are, are Carter Two, II, Carter Three, and No Ceilings mixtape, and I think the lyricism on those three is. That's like about as that's as good. That's just flat out as good as you can do wordplay. Like and yeah, the, the wordplay is really. Um, it it's really, it gets overdone a lot, and he even started to overdo it after yeah, that kind of peak, and kind of turned a lot of people off, rightfully so. And with like the similes, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 and it it's it worked really well for him though for a minute there and it's hard to do well like when you just have an entire song full of full of similes and metaphors and stuff like it's it's really hard for that to work and i think he was able to pull it off so i gave him a 70 i think if you wanted to just judge the entire catalog though lyrically i could definitely see where you're coming from with that 50 yeah i think yeah you make some good points i just think yeah, the, the entire catalog, he, just the lack of s- real substance. He, but there are some that are just like, wow, that was brilliant. Well, but at the same time, you say he overdid it, and I agree. But also just had some terrible assemblies. At the end. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. left you scratching I, your head like, they, they, what the hell? But, you know, in his prime, you got a guy, you know, on the song like Mr. Carter. He probably outraps Jay-Z there. Mm-hmm. On the song Barry Bonds, he, he outraps Lil Wayne or outraps Kanye there. I mean, he was just owning every every track that he was on, like every feature he was on. Uh, his verse was usually the best one. Yeah, I remember we talked about Nas several weeks back. Wayne had a freestyle to Ether, and I know it gets me a little riled up when I see the comments on YouTube. I don't know why, but uh, just <laughs> hating on Wayne, I thought he I thought he destroyed that. And really, I mean, I don't say he showed shown Nas yeah. up by any means because Nas murdered that track. But uh, Wayne, especially with his own you know Southern style, I thought. Uh, really kind of added to that and really yeah. gave that beat life. So I thought that was good. His his lyrics on the Show Me What You Got uh, freestyle and Ice Cream freestyle, I would definitely recommend checking those out. We agree on flow. Both, I mean, elite grades. I got an 80 here. I mean, this flow is never going to be matched again. A lot of a lot of imitators. Um, 
but nobody can really get across that kind of flow and swag too is, is tied to it. Uh, I mean, for a short guy like that too, and you know, there's there's those pictures of uh, him and Birdman. Mm-hmm. He just <laughs> the fact that he could just get Mark, away with all this stuff. Forgot and, about like father like son. I'd throw that oh, into yeah, his like that's prime Wayne yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm glad you said that because that's so true. But he's just the the ability to ride any beat. Uh, I mentioned those squat up mm-hmm. mixtapes. They would pretty much just take whatever was hot on the radio sure. and flow over it. He, he could just do that for days, and a lot of it was freestyle too. He's just riding oh, the beat. Oh right, literally. right, right. Yeah, uh, I gave him a seventy five. Uh, sort of holding against him. I did probably not fair that I'm counting his really early stuff and his really late stuff on flow, but not on lyricism, but. I'm gonna go do, go ahead and do it. These are my grades. Uh, I think that there's there's time and times in his career where I don't think the flow was 80 or really all that close. And then there was that kind of four or five year run there where you're right, like everything he jumped on was was just fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, made me like like he would hop on beats that I didn't even like of songs yeah, that exactly. I didn't even like, and then I'd like his version of it just because of how how good he was able to to rhyme over it. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Let's go to longevity. I got a 60 here. You got a 65. We're close on this one as well. Uh, dinged this in light of the recent years. I, I think. Um, I think the music still holds up pretty well, but his window to, to create music that's really going to capture the attention of, of the general public and of the hip-hop community, I think, yeah, is probably closed. Yeah, I, I think he had, you know, we, we talked about, like, DMX earlier, and, you know, we've we've mentioned, like, 50 Cent before. He had a longer run kind of on top, I think, than either of those two did, so I'll I'll give him some props there. You know, released The Block is Hot in 1999. You know, Carter Three comes out in 2008. I mean, that's that's a heck of a run. So I, yeah. I think it's it's definitely plus. You could debate if it's 60, 65, 70. Uh, definitely, definitely plus longevity. Though. Yeah, and he was highly relevant throughout that entire stretch as well. Impact got a 60. You got a 50. I, I said there are a lot of imitators, but I think almost it's kind of become passe- cliche it's maybe that style i think that style is just not cool anymore and like he he had imitators but none of them were good you know like it's it's kind of took away from him right like it's cool if you're nas or someone like that and you have a bunch of imitators and they go on to become like superstars like that's cool but when your imitators just end up being kind of jokes you know like then it, it doesn't really matter that they were impacted by you yeah that's true and i don't think you know a lot of the new artists you see on the scene were all that heavily influenced by wayne maybe some of them and you could even like it wouldn't surprise me if like wayne's legacy gets really kind of sad over the next 10 years where like you see him on like vh1 shows or or something like that like it wouldn't surprise me if there's just a really uh, steep fall from yeah. from the the respect see level there, where like your kids are just like wait you used to like that guy yeah. like you know it, it's it could get could get pretty hopefully bad. not to like flave of flave territory it, it, I don't think but it'll go see. that low but it it I'm not ruling it out <laughs> swag <laughs> mentioned hand in hand with flow for me just because letting him hang on any beat he's on I got an eighty you got a seventy five you really can't. 
uh, you can't knock the swag grade. No, I think the the skateboarding is the only thing yeah. that that gave that put me from an eighty to a seventy five. <laughs> um, yes, which I think is fair. But, yeah, that's definitely fair. But, I got We got uh, in the end. We both came to a sixty five overall grade. Yep. Yep. And I think that's. I mean, among second, the highest, second highest second grade highest behind us, yeah. as it should be. And then we got DMX. I had a fifty out of fifty-five. Juvie fifty for me, forty for you. Feral Bunch fifty for me, forty for you. So yeah, high high praise for Wayne. Yeah, uh, let's not plus I, I agree plus that, rapper. That that legacy may be tarnished. It is already, but maybe further in recent in, in coming years. But I uh, got to give him some love while we can, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back with you next week. is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.